Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman and Nathan Golia. What's up, fellas? Hey, everybody. Guys, I'm going to be bringing spice today. <laughs> this is going to this is gonna be a real banger, everyone. Yeah, Let's I think just so. Put it that way. We're fresh fresh <laughs> off of the uh, uh, top eight uh, lists for uh, for Grand Prix Seattle, so we, we've got some we've got some hot takes for sure. Right, and uh, I win. I went to Seattle. And uh, I don't know. You guys, you guys want to hear about it? You guys want yeah. to hear how it went? Yeah, let's let's find <laughs> okay. out. How how did you do, Nate? Well, I want to start by saying a couple of things. One is that I had a really good time. I I think I've been playing Legacy now consistently for about five or six years. I've now lived, you know, in the New York area where I met you guys, and now out west. Um, and so I've met a lot of people on my travels, and it's been great to see people and catch up and meet new people and talk about magic and play magic. It's really, really been, it was really a great time, despite the fact that the big thing I walked away with was a heart of Kieran. <laughs> um, I went in on Wednesday, on Thursday, I went to play the trials. I decided to play the Epic Storm in the trials. Uh, the reason I did that was I didn't want to, I was playing Esper Mentor in the main event. We've been working on it for a long time. And I played it a lot, and I figured I could only get in my own head if I had a bad trial with it um, and start tinkering, and I did not want to do that. I was trying to play this Grand Prix a little differently than I played other Grand Prix in the past, where I do tinker often up until, like, handing in my deck list. Um, and this time I didn't do that, and I got to say, I felt a lot better. Like, in the morning, you know? Like, I felt very sure of myself. Um, even though I played the Epic Storm in the uh, Trials and did terribly. <laughs> did you play the um, version with Thalia in it? I did not play Thalia's Epic Storm, no. Uh, I just played, uh, I played regular Epic Storm. But, uh, I, basically I played their, their single elimination. I lost both die rolls and my opponents had turned to him in both game ones. So... I was never really going to win game one. I did win both game twos, including a game where uh, I made 10 goblins on turn two. My opponent wiped my board with a Golgari charm. Uh, so I had no hand and no board. Then he got a Liliana the Veil down on his turn. So I drew Burning Wish, Burning Wish for Past in Flames, passed back. He made me discard the Past in Flames, and then instead of eating it with his death right, he cast a Brainstorm. He brainstorm locked himself. Uh, then on my turn, I drew an Infernal Tutor. I got a Lion's Eye Diamond, put it into play. On his turn, he brainstorm locked himself again. Could not eat my Past in Flames. You can see where this is going. Yes. Basically, he never ate my Past in Flames, and I drew in order the Burning Wish uh, for Past in Flames, the uh, Infernal Tutor for LED, another LED, and a Dark Ritual. Yada yada yada. I. Wiped his board with grape shot and made twenty goblins on the on the last turn, so that was really fun. Um, 
But overall, it was just it was really tough sledding against the discard slash counter magic decks. Um, in the main event, I started out with my Esper deck, played Burn. I won the first game, and I was feeling really good. I actually got a nice soul read when I cast a Blind Cabal Therapy. My opponent kind of touched his lands and then said Resolves. I named Fire Blast. That was in his hand with another land. Um, so that allowed me to live an extra turn to win, but uh, he won game two on the play, and then in game three, he locked me out under Ensnaring Bridge and then drew Burn Spells until I died. In round two, I played a mono black against a mono black deck that had Grizzlebrand Reanimator combo. Um, it also had Dark Depths combos with Thespian Stage and Vampire Hex Mage. And it had a Helm Leyline combo. Wow, that's a um, lot. That's so many things. A lot. <laughs> yeah, why, so I won why, game why one. <laughs> it's basically two card Monty, right? Like you're two card Montying all over the place. In game, I won game one. In game two, he made a turn to Merit Lage, but I had Swords to Plowshares, so I didn't do anything. So I Swords it when he went up to 40. Um, then I got a Grimag Angler to Death Right Down, and I started the long trip back from 40. He played a Helm of Obedience with no Leyline in play. Um, and I was I had a Force of Will, but I was like, well, this doesn't kill me unless he plays the Leyline, and I could just force the Leyline. Um, so I let it resolve. He then helmed me and hit my mentor. Then he entombed Vampire Hex Mage, which made a token. Uh, on my turn, I double, I collected Brutality of the Mentor. He responded with Dark Ritual. Uh, so the Mentor lived, and then I cast another Collective Brutality to kill my own Mentor, but leave, left him with two tokens. Um, and then, but, I, but he didn't really draw anything else, and I attacked my Gurmag Angler, and he had to block. So he blocked with he, the Tokens became chump blockers while I kept up Deathrite and um, Nihil Spellbomb. I also should note that I did surgically extract his uh, dark, dark Depth, so that was not an out after whatever turn it was. It was several turns later by the time I did that, but you know I'm, I'm taking him down from 40. Uh, on a, you know, what turned out to be towards the end of the game, he tapped a land and cast Dark Ritual. Then he tapped five other lands and played Grizzlebrand from his hand. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> then he looked at his life total, he looked at his Grizzlebrand, he looked at my board of Gurmag Angler and Deathrite, looked back at his life total, he's like, oh, I'm at six, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's no good. So he passes back to me, I draw a Snapcaster Mage, I snap plow the Grizzlebrand, attack him with Gurmag Angler back down to six, so just in case he draws another Grizzlebrand, he still can't draw seven. Um... And that worked because I death right at the end of his turn and then untapped and attacked for five. So I, he, he went down to four and then went gained seven and then went back down to six. Um, but then he didn't draw Grizzlebrand, so I won. And that was pretty fun. So in the same game, to wrap up, I beat a Merit Lage, I beat my own Mentor plus two tokens, and I beat a Hardcast Grimag Angler all in the same game. Jeez. Yeah. That felt really good. Uh, my third round was against Miracles. Very pleasant and very interesting match considering the time issues with two tundra decks going against each other um we were both like kind of speeding up and slowing down as needed you could kind of see how our pace of the game changed um i won game one he won game two and with about 20 minutes left on the clock i conceded game two and he said oh it's a good thing you conceded i was like well you have jace and gideon like i'm not coming back <laughs> so yeah, yeah. uh yeah 
And then he took while game three was really back and forth and he won with 30 seconds on the clock. And I want to say like it was a situation where I might have been like one turn away from winning um, if he didn't win on that turn. I don't know if it was mentor or Jays or something, but maybe it was uh, it was Gideon. I had to keep more swords of plowshares than I usually like to because of the Gideon. Um, And uh, I was bluffing it, but he called my bluff. I didn't have it. Uh, and then in the fourth round, I played against Bug Midrange. And in the first game, I lost a die roll. My opponent mulliganed to six. Uh, but he he hymned me, which got him back to even on cards. And he played a Leovold, which I had to snap plow. I think I had plowed like a death right or something. That gave him a card. That card was Thoughtseize, which he used to Thoughtseize my Jace. But I had the set, the Snapcaster Mage, a split search for Azkanta and three other lands in play, and he had no cards in hand and uh, no uh, permanence in play other than the lands. But on his turn, he top decked True Name Nemesis. He put it into play. I searched with search. I did not find a Force of Will. And four turns later, I was dead. In game two, uh, I made about nine monks in a turn and attacked for, I think, 19. Uh, in one turn and one. And in game three, uh, I think... Oh, he had a turn two Liliana the Last Hope in game three. And I didn't have... My hand lined up very poorly against it. I think I had Baleful Strix and Snapcaster Mage as my only creatures against the Liliana. Um, so there was really no stopping it getting to seven and uh, me dying to a horde of zombies. After that, I dropped. I was really frustrated about the, the way that game one went because I felt I had played it very well. You know, I lived through a hymn, I lived through a Leovold, but like, you know, the last thing came down and that was it. Um, I then signed up for a side event and played Steel Stompy. Um, I won't go through this too much because that was mostly just for fun. The deck is super fun. Really, there's nothing quite like Ravager and uh, Ballista. It's just, <laughs> it's just so, I don't know whose idea those cards were, but that person should either be fired or put in charge of the company. Um uh, I played against, though I did lose to Merfolk in the round in the first round because he forced my Sword of Fire and Ice and then played back to basics. Uh, so that sucked. Um, but then I beat Eldrazi and beat Reanimator in uh, the next two rounds. I beat Reanimator with the uh, ultimate skill of drawing Caracas in game one. And uh, that was all it really took. I drew Caracas and then attacked uh, until he was dead. Um... Next day, I decided to play Blue-Red Delver in two side events. I, pit, I played a Blue-Red Delver deck without days that I really like. Uh, the deck was really solid. Uh, it's really more burn-focused because it doesn't have days, so you play way more burn spells. It's more of a prowess uh, shell, right? Um, yeah, like I actually played I played on Pyromancer in it, but I decided I was going to play True Name, so I played True Name in my deck after sure. losing to it. Um I played, uh, the first round was against Check Pile, and that was pretty gruesome for the guy who was, again, like, really nice, really friendly player from Oregon. Um, but, like, I priced him and then priced, untapped and priced him. So that sucked. Um, in round two, I played against Pox, which I lost. Turns out that uh, Knight of Souls Betrayal is really good against your true name, Young Pyromancer deck. Um... And he could sink all my basics, so that that didn't work. 
Uh, and then we split round three because the tournament was running real over it, and both myself and my opponent wanted to play in different events. Uh, the next event I played against um, Miracles in round one with the same deck and won. Um, just was able to kill them before he could really assemble anything. Round two, I lost to Merfolk again <laughs> with a different deck this time. Uh, there was actually a lot of Merfolk around the tournament. Um, Phil, we should talk about how that back to basics really, that, that, that's what they're doing. And it's, and it's been good for them, I guess. Um, and then in the last round, I played against Grixis Delver and won. So I got a decent amount of prize tickets because of that, but by then everything was kind of picked over and I had like 15 minutes to catch my flight. Uh, so I grabbed like a heart of Kieran, a pack of masters, 25, a couple of contaminations and a handful of stuff from the bulk bin. And that was my grand prix Seattle experience. Contaminations, huh? <laughs> well, the actual black to basics, actual black to basics. <laughs> yeah. It's black to swamps, but really it was, it was really good. I, I thought the tournament was from a like fun perspective and congeniality was everyone was getting along pretty well. Um, everyone was having fun. People would come from all over the place. It was it was really a uh, really great experience. That's why I really do like going to big legacy events. I was watching some some people play like some people some kids uh, play modern, and they were kind of standoffish with each other and kind of like I was just like yeah that's why I like legacy. You know we're all just kind of here to have a good time. Um, but that was it. I, I mean it's also just a more compelling format on the whole because of the power level that you get in legacy that you don't get in modern. Yeah. I like modern. I just think that like the play patterns in legacy are far more intricate and challenging than in modern. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think, I, I think, uh, you know, just also having an older crowd, people who aren't trying to like necessarily make a living or like go pro in legacy, uh, you generally get a more congenial crowd because we're not yeah. competing on, on a level like we're, we're playing the game on a pretty high level, but we're not competing on a level where we, we have any delusions about whether or not we think this is going to be, uh, a, uh, path to a, uh, life of extravagant, like wealth. Yeah. Before I, I ask you guys what you thought about it, watching the, ch the coverage, I just want to say that I walked around the tables and here's my impression of the tournament was there was a lot of lands. I saw a lot of tabernacles, a lot of dark depths in play, various depth decks, by the way. Um, I got that impression just from walking around and hearing people talk, what people said they played against. In fact, uh, one of my friends played a Lands Mirror around one. Um, I also saw some decks I didn't really expect to see. I heard, like I said, a lot of people playing Merfolk. Um, I think Back to Basics is a good card for them that they're using now. I'd like to, you know, maybe we had something to do with that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's tough on the muta vault, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're fine with that. Like, if you if you get to shut off your opponent's deck, you don't really care so much. As yeah, as, I mean, a, as a as a you you know mir, uh, uh, merfolk player, like I always was okay with like my opponent losing the ability to cast spells if I lost my muta vault. You concede yep. cavern of souls and muta vault, but I think the trade off of getting to interact on an axis that you otherwise wouldn't get to do outside of regular wastelands and just be a worse wasteland deck is just smarter. Yeah. Like, well, that and like I, they I, have, think, I think the power level of Cavern and Mutavolt is just not going to go the distance in this format versus a back to basics. Yeah, no, I, it just shuts off things that 
it also stops people from being able to interact with your board, which is really all you care about. I mean, if they've got a bunch of tapped islands in play, <laughs> you know, what are they doing? They're not, Dude, they're not going to. I, I, I'm an advocate for, uh, if you're really into merfolk, just go back to standstill merfolk. I, I was always a huge fan of standstill merfolk. I, I actually ha- didn't play the chalice version uh, and be- and got to rug delver before the chalice version became so- somewhat more popular than the standstill version. But, uh, you know, you can get screwed. I've, I've definitely had my opponent draw three cards before after I played a two-mana spell because I wasn't playing uh, smart. So, I don't know. The standstill is a funny card sometimes. I mean, standstill is definitely one of those, like, wow, this card is sees no play and is on power level probably up there. Yeah. The power level versus amount of play seen is very lopsided for standstill. It's hard for standstill because if your opponent plays a turn one three two flyer, yeah, <laughs> like oh, a, I get why uh, it doesn't mission. see play. I, just, yeah. I mean, I mean, on theory, it's a two mana draw three. Yeah, no, I, I know. It's funny because like actually, you can race a death rate shaman with with standstill very easily. I, I mean, with a mistress factory, I should say, because you'll they'll run out of stuff in the graveyard before the mistress factory kills them. And it can block the death right as an attacker without dying. Well, if you're playing standstill, you're also playing death right because death right is very good under a standstill. Right, right. Um, but so, what was your impressions of the format watching the coverage? So coverage, at least uh, from Zach, tell me if you if you're on the same page as I was when mm-hmm. watching coverage. What I found is that coverage one coverage is just not at all good. Like, the way that they do coverage, like, at, at some point, they have to be able to coordinate when the commentators are back on screen and Mike's being on at the same time. <laughs> There's never been a time where they cut to the commentators, they're talking and you can't hear them, and then you hear them fade up the, the mics. Like, it just, it comes off as very unprofessional. They need to not have the background be the players. It's, because it's very 101, players, you know. The players that, that in the stuff. background all look at into the camera because they're quote not supposed to and oh i'm looking into the camera you gotta like they're people are going to do that so just don't have the players as the background and then also you have this tv on a stand and the stand is very visible you can tell that it's it's the tv is just there it says magic the gathering behind it but that's all it does it looks like garbage yeah and i mean compared to every other esport it look it's laughable, and I get why we don't get the numbers that we should be getting on coverage because how can anybody take it seriously? And then the second part on that, now mind you, like I like when the pros are doing coverage because they speak about the games exceptionally, right? Like the pros on camera talk about the games in ways where you're like, I as a player want this kind of in-depth commentary. Um, so props on having a bunch of different pros speaking about the games. However, the regular coverage team, if you guys don't know the format, get out of the booth. Like, there is no reason why somebody who is doing coverage should be going, wait, what does that card do? Like, actually not knowing what the card does. Yeah. Or, what, oh what man, card that card's in this format? Wow. Like, get out. Get out. You're, you're, you, are, you are contributing nothing. And if you don't know the format, there was, there was one comment that uh and it, I, I get it like not everybody is uh follows legacy as closely there's way less events right so like if your job is coverage you're following 
limited, standard, and modern way more closely. Totally understand. But if that's the case, put somebody, have somebody else lead the legacy events. That's all. Yeah. Uh, like there was one part where BDM's on camera and they're he's with Prozac and they're discussing the Grixis Delver looks uh, Grixis Delver decks in the top eight. And BDM goes, is it surprising to not see Snapcaster in this deck? I mean, this seems like a deck that would be very conducive to Snapcaster. And never has Snapcaster ever been in Grixis Delver. Like, never in its existence has anybody ever played Snapcaster to results. Like, there's no reason to be saying, oh, man, I'm actually surprised that Snapcaster didn't. Like, I get how if you're not familiar with the format, you would go to that. But it for somebody who... Or for an audience that's watching that does understand, when they feel smarter than the commentary, that makes you as a as a coverage team look really, really bad. What did Adam Prozac say? Adam Prozac was like, "No, you never see Snapcaster in these decks." Like he just like, <laughs> he's like, "No, that's Next not question. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like, but but that's the thing, right? Like the only the, you you have to be kind to that because you're on camera with somebody. Yeah. But yeah. the thing is, is that I'm sitting at home. And I want to love coverage. I mean, we do a podcast. Like, I'm all about the the content and being uh, and giving being part of the community in a way outside of just playing the games. That being said, don't make the game look dumb. Like, if you as coverage members look like you don't know what's going on, and then you're also presented in a way that looks like elementary, that makes the game look bad, and then we look like lesser for playing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Especially because you I, have like on Twitch right next to you is all of these games that are just getting insane coverage that look super clean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of what they're working on with with uh, Arena is like eventually they'll be able to do coverage through through Arena, but they still get, they're still going to need to have that commentary. Um, as as a, uh, a a small confession, uh, when you asked about coverage, I I can tell you I didn't watch coverage. I I generally don't for for Grand Prix until the end because it's it feels garbage to me a lot of times, so I've just kind of given up on watching watching the coverage. I will say that uh, in in previous Grand Prix when I've watched coverage for like for modern for basically not standard and limited, I'm always appalled that they don't bring on someone who just plays that deck and go like you know you've got you've got literally every single Magic player would do would do coverage for you in a second, right? And the fact yep. that there are there are a million people out there playing the same decks that you can literally just call up and be like hey you know like we know that we know that we're gonna see storm this weekend we know that we're gonna see uh a uh, scape shift deck you know like you know this was in a modern uh, a modern one that i was watching and we get to a point where i'm watching john finkel play storm and i'm like oh his opponent's dead like he's got the grape shot and he's got you know enough enough storm count that he can just cast the grape shot out of his graveyard off of off of past in flames real simple stuff like as as a you know uh, it's just simple math, right? The coverage team sitting there going, "I don't think John can get enough storm to to win this game." And I'm like, "What? How can you? <laughs> if you play that deck, you know, you know." So they really have to get to a point where they have a cast large enough to get that to to just be able to be like, "Oh, okay. Well, we've got Grixis Pile and we've got uh, Rug Delver playing with each other right now. Let's get people who play those decks to commentate on this." It shouldn't. It literally shouldn't be that hard to, hard to pull off, and it would make well, coverage a thousand times better. That's one one point that you make where you're like, oh, here are two legitimate decks in the format going up against each other. The majority of the weekend is them putting joke decks on camera. Yeah, that's also a problem. Like they they actively put not the best decks on camera, 
which I guess to an extent is fine because you know that the best decks are going to be the one that you're going to have to show towards the end of the day. But like Soldier Stompy was on camera for like five rounds. That's ridiculous. Uh-huh. It's like that's not I, showcasing I, I, the I, format I get, at all. I, I, you know, that's what I mean. Like you're well, it's showing anybody it one who's looking to get into the format is getting a false pretense as to what the format cares about. Yeah. Because they're like, oh man, look how sweet preeminent Captain is. Yeah. You know, it's ridiculous. like that's, that's, that's not like. I get that that deck is just one of the various Chalice decks, and it can be literally any cards on top of the Chalice, and it's going to be fine for some amount of the time. But, like, we don't need to see the, oh, look how sweet this is at a competitive event. No. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know about that. I kind of want to see... If a a deck like that is 8-1, I want to see it. Sure. I mean, look, if it's 8-1, but it shouldn't be 4-1, 5-1, 6-1, 7-1, we shouldn't see that same deck over and over again, even if it's doing well. Like, it's it's unnecessary to show something that's not, like, the top, like, 12 decks uh, initially. I specifically say that deck because it was on camera so much. I'm not slighting that deck. I mean, it's a Chalice deck. Just insert Chalice deck. Of course, like, if there's a sweet deck that's, like, a new brew that's, like, XO after, like, five rounds, six rounds, yeah, throw it on camera for sure. But, like... Don't keep going back to it even when it's still X2, when it's X, you know, 2-1 or like just because it's sweet and you don't want to be showing all of the like Grixis Delver and Pile decks going up against each other all day because that's all the top tables were outside of like a couple of lands decks. I mean, at a certain point, you have to recognize that you can't hide what the format is behind these cool decks and then give those decks more coverage time. And then all of a sudden people go, oh, I want to get into this format. And if they do, and then all of a sudden they get blown out by real decks going, I thought Preeminent Captain was legitimate. Yeah. I mean, th- that's also, you know, I, I feel like that's uh, sort of like the-, the Eldrazi conundrum that they showed so much Eldrazi during Eldrazi Winter that they were like, oh, that was also a problem because people got so upset we had to do something. But honestly, they had to do something, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess I guess we should talk about the elephant in the room coming from coming from coverage uh, and talking about uh, you know what what we saw a lot of over the weekend. If can I make one final point on Please. coverage presentation? To the 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 to sum it up, I would say that coverage of Magic could be excellent, and there is so much potential for it to be legitimate. And right now there are just so many issues with knowledge by commentary presentation of the game and quality of this of like direction to stream that if all of these things were just cleaned up just look at the other games and how like eloquent they are and you could make magic look good so it's not that coverage has to be bad it's that there's a lot of potential and i am upset at coverage because of all of the potential that is missed for an investment that would be completely pennies and nickels by comparison to what they take in. Yeah. I mean, honestly, if you just gave uh, whoever you put on camera to do the coverage, like a hundred dollars in vendor credit, they'd do it in a second. Like, and that's, and that costs you almost nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah it, it's well. more so the unused potential that annoys me. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, well, with, with that said, so uh, yeah, getting, getting to the elephant in the room, then I guess I should say, uh, we should probably talk about the fact that the ban and restricted list is coming up in what a week, guys. Everybody's favorite topic. Yeah. And <laughs> today's the eighth, and it's on the sixteenth, so yeah. it's uh, a week and a day. You have you have uh, you have seven days to sell, sell, sell those death right shamans for the four dollars that they're worth right now. 
So for stats wise, <laughs> 20 Death Rite Shamans made the top eight. Uh, Death Rite Shaman took home the title, and uh, those 20 Death Rites were technically in four different lists, even though you could probably combine the Pile and Sultai Control as the same deck. One's just playing Valks and Badlands, and the other one was playing Wasteland. I'm looking at the decks uh, now. Like Maverick and Grixis Delver, Sultai Control, and Four Color Pile, they all made top eight. Uh, all are just variations of fair decks, and all of them abuse Death Ray Gemini. Well, if you, you there's not a Storm deck in the top six. Oh, there is the one Reanimator Storm deck in the top 16. Oh, no, wait. No, he doesn't have a Storm finish in here. So, yeah, there's no Storm deck in the top 16. There's no Show and Tell decks in the top 16. There's one Infect deck. for Combo is very underrepresented. And I think that's a thing to look at when you're d discussing what's the state of the format, right? Well, uh, you were saying before, we're one year out since the, the ban of uh, Sensei's Dividing Top, right? Yep. And so... Sensei's Dividing Top was banned on April 24th, so we're like 50 weeks, but... Before, yeah. I, I still stand by that Top was the incorrect ban. Yeah, I think I think well, that was our that was our stated is, position. Yeah. <laughs> Counterbalance sh should have been the the card that was banned. We we actually said Terminus was the card because that that gets rid of that deck but allows the other decks to still play uh play Magic. So you can still play well, that, with uh with uh the Divining Top in decks that aren't necessarily Miracles decks. Yeah, I was saying that like for it, it, the reason that Top had gotten banned back then was everybody was like, oh, I don't want to watch somebody top three times in a turn and take forever and run down the clock. And I said, if you remove counterbalance, then there's no reason for me to top after every spell you cast. I only need to top once per turn. Right. Well, actually, I, I, I was more, I want to counterbalance because I also felt there was not, not a lot of clean answers to it other than Abrupt Decay, which forced a consolidation of the format into decks that can support Abrupt Decay versus the decks that just died to counterbalance or decks that had to win before counterbalance could get down. When I was I, I played Storm for the first time at the end of the original Miracles era, and I actually found it once you started playing Erupt Decay in just in your Storm deck, um, you know it was super easy. <laughs> like you just never had to worry about being locked out, and if you were smart, you could just beat the counterbalance straight up. Um, yeah, people people were playing like two to three either Sworn Cannonists in their board on top of playing the counterbalance lock because Storm is just the most busted deck that exists. Yeah. Um, but, Bill, I want you, we, we have our little pre-show chat. I want you to talk, tell us about what happened to Jeremy Dezani in the finals of the Grand Prix. Okay, so I had a, a problem with Jeremy Dezani's deck, and my issue with it is, if you are coming to Legacy, you are playing a blue deck that is Force of Will, Brainstorm, and Ponder, you only play three ponder. I repeat, you're not playing four ponder. You're playing three or less ponder. Kindly leave. You're doing it wrong. So what happened in the uh, finals was uh, Dizani is running on empty. He's got like a pair of lands and a brainstorm. And he brainstorms into three lands. And I said, this isn't him drawing bad. This is him getting punished for only playing three ponder. He, he should have cut a land and played the additional ponder. Now, I get that... There's argument for it's like, no, you need like to make sure that your ratio of like ponder to lands is correct, and you also have to consider color requirements. And he's playing both Leobolds and uh, TNN, so he's got double blue on top of double black, on top of three color, on top of all this stuff. And I go, I get it. I hear you. 
I understand what you're saying. Any of the cards in his deck, he could have cut for the fourth ponder. There's no excuse for playing the for not playing the fourth ponder. He's playing three fatal push and three abrupt decay. Cut a decay, add the fourth ponder. He's main decking a fluster storm. Cut it for the ponder. Cut something for the ponder. There's no reason to not be playing four ponder in your blue deck. Like you are a control deck that needs to find its answers and and understand that you need to smooth out your draw because you need to draw the correct half of your deck and the correct answers when you need them throughout the game. And there's no reason that three ponder is correct. It's just it's just not. You're playing 21 land plus your four death right, and your the top of your curve is two Jace the Mind Sculptor. There is zero excuse for playing only four ponder. I get you're playing three wasteland. I understand you're really a four color deck because you're playing these really intensive colors on top of three wasteland. Cut a wasteland, play the fourth ponder. Okay, I wanted you to, to do that because I, I think when I, we go back to the top ban and the, the, the time leading up to the top ban, what happened with Miracles, and you were a Miracles player involved in developing Miracles, right? Phil, like, involved in you know, discussions around the deck? Yes. When Miracles players realized that you could play four ponder and that made your deck better... Because the deck was well, it's so dirty. You can't. I, I, there was. I remember debate in the miracles with the miracles players about should we play four ponder or should we play ponder at all? Even we've Wait, already got. Do you know what everybody's nutting right now with miracles? Like the people who are playing miracles now and they're like, oh my god, have you guys tried this? Do you know what the new hotness is? Two preordain. Two preordain. They're like, oh my god, <laughs> this is busted now. Cut a land. Go to nineteen land. Play two preordain. Yes. Yes. More being able to smooth out your draw. Like the the leverage that you get from from cantrips is especially in powered formats is absurd like i don't i can't put into words how important cards that are like ponder are so much so that the deck reinvented itself because portent came in and now people are going one step further where they're playing portent and preordain on top of it like and ponder it's so much air like the deck is literally just like if a strong breeze would blow it away no, the, the the deck is literally, it's a blue-white control deck, and the only powerful thing it does is Terminus. The thing is, is that you need to make sure that, uh, it like, half of the deck is great against part of the format, and the other half of the deck is great against the other half. And if you draw white cards against combo, you will lose. And if you draw blue cards against fair decks, you will lose. You need to be able to draw the correct half of your deck every game for consistency, and the only way that you can do that is by having this absurd number of cantrips. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't Do you disagree see the, with I, you. I put the deck list on our, yeah, yeah, on our shared screen here with the two preordain. Uh, he has two preordain, three portent, four ponder, four brainstorm, one predict. You also know what gets way more powerful when you have a bunch of, like, one-mana cantrips like this? What gets way more, like, just way better? He was playing oh, one with... click, one back to basics, and one Gideon. Do you know how much more reliable your singletons are when you have all of these cantrips? They're, yeah. like the thing is, is that people are going to go in and look at the top eight and be like, oh, look at this Sultai deck and be like, this deck is great. It made the finals of the GP playing three ponder. I'll and then they're going to go and think that 100%. three ponder is right and three ponder is wrong. It's yeah. just wrong. The guy, uh, the gentleman who won with Bug Delver at the Eternal Championship uh, also played three ponder, which uh, that made my eyes twitch. In a Delver deck. I don't and think. Air- uh, even even in my wildest dreams, I've never even thought about playing less than four brainstorm, four ponder in a Delver deck. And God, God freaking forbid, I ever thought about sideboarding any of those cards out. I don't care how bad my my match was. Okay, I, I, okay. So we're looking at this deck list, this miracles deck list, and if the if this is correctly input, I see that it's sixty one cards main deck. 
I also want to point out, if you're playing 61 cards, cut cut something. Here's another main deck flusterstorm. This whole conversation that we just had about leveraging the power of these one-mana cantrips is decreased for every card over 60 that you play. Play 60 cards, play four ponder, stop kidding yourselves that anything else is right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, What is it? I want to get back to why I wanted to start on this road. Why is Deathrite Shaman the elephant in the room? Because there is this feeling that you play, that you have a set of cards that you have to play in order for your deck to be successful. It's four Brainstorm, four Force of Will, four Ponder, and and four Deathrite, right? I think that is what is irritating people about the card Deathrite Shaman, is that you had like a one-color shell that you could sort of move around, and now you have a a two to three color shell if you add this other card and once you add lands you're you know you're looking at uh let's see that's 12 16 and then maybe you need you know you need at least 18 lands you're looking at like you got 34 cards in your deck decided for you i think that is what is irritating what when people say death right shaman is everywhere that's what they mean yeah and, no, I'd, yeah i agree and i think that this for the when you used to see Stoneblade decks that didn't play that sometimes didn't even play ponder or only played one or two and they had this other it's like as you have this these restrictions people feel constricted by the format right i think that they're going to ban deathrite shaman i don't know if it's going to be on monday because i don't know when they make these decisions i think that there's going to be outcry about it and it'll get banned what i'm what i'm what i want to know is what could possibly change, given that you still have this very modular thing going on, and you have these hyper-efficient spells, like, that they're not really changing shells. Like, no one's playing Terminus in a black deck, you know? There's not going to be, like, an Esper Terminus deck. You're still going to have these, like, blue and black creature deck versus blue and white sort of control decks, and they're still going to be so good because of that consistency the, from the, the entry of the format. The play pattern that exists right now is uh, you are, if you're playing a fair deck, you, there is no reason to not be playing Deathrite Shaman. Now that said, if you're looking to play Miracles, which put up, what, two in the top eight of this? Two in the top eight. Right. Yep. After being targeted. The, the power of Miracles is in back to basics. Why? Because all of the decks that are playing Deathrite are incentivized to play up to four colors because all of the death right decks outside of the the maverick deck and let's like if you were to look at like any of the past major events in legacy usually the way that the decks break down is it's three to four fair death right decks uh one to two combo decks uh like the outliers that are powerful like any of the depths combo decks and then you have just like one random insert your fun of deck that made it through. Your Blood Moon deck. Your Blood Moon deck, in this case, Maverick, like uh, just like worse versions. Yeah, worse versions of things that you could be doing, but like you find that you get you, you maneuver through a tournament and get there. Yeah, I mean someone's gonna get good matchups occasionally. So that that sort of thing isn't isn't the craziest thing to me to see to see like a guy be like, Oh, I just played Storm all day long and I kept playing Thali on turn two. Crazy. Yeah, like you know? it, it, sometimes that stuff will get there. <laughs> yeah. But like the the outlier is if you're playing Death Right. 
all of death right what like every deck that's playing death right the only one that actually wants to be playing green was the maverick deck yeah every other death right deck isn't a green deck it just happens to get to splash a trop or splash a green source to interact with like graveyard based strategies that it makes their man they have to they make their mana base worse because the incentive to make it worse to play green is so high because of death right shaman that all of a sudden the fair decks that aren't playing death right shaman read miracles get to compete because all of a sudden back to basic stock goes way up when people have to play bad mana bases so i would argue that the way the format looks right now Back to Basics is only good because Deathrite Shaman incentivizes you to play worse mana bases, and then other decks that beat up on Deathrite Shaman decks, read lands, also fold to Back to Basics. So Back to Basics is so powerful because Deathrite Shaman exists, and then the decks that try and beat the Deathrite Shaman decks are trying to prey on them. Therefore, Back to Basics beats up on both those, so Back to Basics slides well into the format. Therefore, Miracles can still exist because Miracles gets swords to plowshares and then has the powerful plan of Back to Basics. To, um, to that end, uh, I think that uh, what, what, what we will see also is that for a little while, Back to Basics is still going to be pretty amazing because people just don't change their deck that much. They don't realize how bad it is to do the things that you were saying, Phil, like play just all non-basic lands and stuff like that until they get punished for it. And what will happen is the Moon Back to Basic decks will still be punishing those people and they're going to eventually be like, I have, to, I have to stop doing this. I'm just losing all the time when I do it. Once those people get punished enough, that's when those cards are gonna are gonna go down in value. Here's here's my prediction: If Deathrite Shaman gets banned, anybody who's playing Miracles, uh, they will move back to basics out of their main board because people, once they realize that there's no incentive to be playing any of those unnecessary splashes, like all of the pile decks and Grixis Delver and all those decks, none of them are green decks. They're just playing a trop or playing a trop in a bayou because you get to have this off-color activation that's really good against graveyard-based strategies. Yeah. But like, once people aren't incentivized to do that anymore because Deathrite Shaman is gone, then they don't need to be playing those additional non-basics, which means that they just get to be playing more basics, so people will have more stable mana bases, meaning back-to-basics goes down, and I will predict that all of the Miracles decks will still exist, but they'll be moving back over to search for Azkanta. Yeah. Yep. I, I think I that's it's a, it's an interesting assessment. I'm... I, uh... I want to take a slightly contrarian position to that. And not not that I think you're wrong. I think that it's it will be interesting to see what happens to mana bases with the with the banning of death rate. My my issue or not really issue but just like my prediction is that it, it's it's all part of a big soup. This this sort of blue black shell, right? The fact that there's so much crossover between the Grixis Delver deck and the four color control deck and this you know bug control deck you know these cards aren't going to suddenly get horribly worse we're still talking about one mana interaction we're still talking about uncounterable removal we're still talking about very difficult and highly valuable creatures to deal with i just don't see that, that somehow getting so much worse like what could you could you not imagine the same top eight where you have like Two Delver Tempo decks, a couple blue black mid range decks, a couple blue white control decks, a lands deck, and an out an outsider. Like I don't I don't is that really not going to be what our top eights look like? Those those mid range decks change so drastically though. Like four color pile, they get to play Leovold because Deathrite Shaman exists. Like those decks 
they don't get to play that anymore. If they want to be playing Leo, they have to move over and become solely uh, Soltai. They don't yeah. get to be four color anymore. I think they probably um, switched that three drop slot to either another true name or or over to click. Honestly, if they're gonna if, if they're gonna be Grixis. Yeah, there's gonna be like, like a Grixis you, you, deck and a Bug deck that will yeah. be what? How many cards will be different? There'll be like five cards that are different. If if you want to be Soltai though, you now have to commit to that. You don't just yeah. get to free roll it like you do in Pile because Deathrite Shaman exists. Like yeah. Deathrite Shaman is a Grixis deck that gets to play green because Deathrite exists. If you look at any of those decks, they're not playing Leovold because he's the draw to the deck. They're playing Leovold yeah. because he's very, very good, and it's free since you're already playing green for Deathrite Shaman. Yeah, it's the best. It's the well, best I wanna... card in that, like, at that curve that's not Trinity Nemesis. I also want to. Uh, well, uh, yeah, I actually had a, a Trinity Nemesis uh, Leovold theory that I was talking a lot, a lot this weekend, but I also wanted to talk about that from the other perspective. One of the things that I, when I played uh, the Bant Stifle deck. Um, that I put together when I played it with noble hierarchs and no black and no death right right originally I didn't play death right because I thought death right was way better than noble hierarch I switched to playing death right because I got destroyed by the graveyard and I got killed by equipment the incentive was there for me to play abrupt decay and to switch Noble Hierarch to Deathrite, to add War Black to the deck, to play, and then, but I didn't really want Deathrite. I wanted Abrupt Decay. <laughs> I wanted Deathrite to go up to the graveyard, but I wanted Abrupt Decay for equipment that was killing me. And I also want, and that because of that, suddenly I had access to Leovold. Like, the, the shell is so strong. I'm not, I don't think that you could play, I'm not saying people are going to play four color decks. What I'm, what I'm questioning is, is the removal of Deathrite going to do enough to incentivize not playing blue and black like that? Does it matter how different is it if there's one Grixis control deck or mid-range deck and one Sultai control deck, bug control deck, bug mid-range deck? Sorry, keep forgetting my terms. Um, if they and like, what's the difference? It's still going to be only a couple cards different. You've got to think about it on a different axis. So yes, people are still going to play the most powerful blue and black cards because they're the most powerful cards you can be playing. But it's not just it's not a matter of just decks will look different or cards will look different. It's play patterns will look different. Yeah. Like cards that are good now with death right, or cards that are less good because of death right, like the the stock of certain cards goes up and down when death right exists or doesn't. Like Wasteland is significantly more powerful when death right isn't in the format. Which means that basic lands are significantly more powerful when Deathrite isn't in the format. Which means that back to basics, stock goes down when basic lands are more powerful because wasteland mm -hmm. is more powerful. And then all of a sudden, the the dichotomy of what the format looks like, the 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 paradigm of what cards are playable shifts. So it's not that like these like people are still going to be playing the most powerful cards. Yes, obviously, it's a matter of. The play patterns upon which our games progress change because Deathrite is no longer in the format. So if I go turn one land Deathrite, if you try and wasteland me, you are infinitely behind. Right. Yeah. But if I go land Ponder or land other threat that isn't a mana dork like Deathrite and you wasteland me, you, that, that's probably still good. Yeah. I mean, like, also, like, you know, inquire. I, I should say Inquiring Minds want to know here, you know, does, does this mean that decks that... Uh, make that play pattern like more apparent like rug delver you know they're playing stifle they're playing uh, wasteland days you know whatnot 
those decks get significantly better enough to take up a larger pie of the of the Delver situation? Are we going to have like a resurgence of rug rug decks popping back in? I mean, yeah, when people aren't all playing a mana dork, obviously people are going to like if they're looking to play Delver, they're going to try and find the best Delver deck, and people will be looking to back to Teamer as a, a potential way to do that. Like right now, Stifle is unplayable because Stifle is already very very much on the cusp of like. You got to be doing Stifle real hard to do it, yeah. right? I like Rug Delver. The thing is, is that if I go land Deathrite Go, and then you go waste and then Stifle my follow-up land, you're still behind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. So, like, the play pattern of, like, those – like, that's that, that's what I mean when the, the play pattern changes. When I don't get to have the pattern of make a Mana Dork off a Swamp, then all of a sudden Wasteland Stifle can be a thing. Okay. Now, is that good? Is that bad? I don't. I mean, that's, that that's the next that, question. That's is that be, what we, that's is judgment, that what we want? <laughs> is that what we want? It's what I want. <laughs> I, it's, I, it's I interesting. Want them, like, <laughs> I want them to print another commander product where they just give us another black mana dork. So there's a reason to so give give Deathrite some competition. I don't think they will. I think they're just going to get rid of Deathrite now. But like, I want a red mana dork. I think like the the it, right now Deathrite is the only black mana dork, and it does all of these other things that there's just no reason to be doing anything else because it fixes your colors and it lets you abuse a bunch of things that otherwise wouldn't be abused. So like everybody's on the ban for death, right? I mean, he's just going to death, Rite's Just going to be another deck that, or another card that falls to the ban list due to, um, fetch land sins. Uh, I do want to make one point though, going back to what you had said, Nate about abrupt decay being like the things that you needed to deal with equipment. I want to say that them, trying to put answers into the format to answer counterbalance. Uh, now people have to suffer the consequences of abrupt decay was put into the format to deal with counterbalance. Colagon's mm -hmm. command was put into the format to fight miracles. Shallow. So, so all of these cards that were used to like fight the menace that was miracles, then they ban miracles. And now all of the people who like want to play Stoneforge mystic have to pay for the sins of not understanding the things that mattered in the format when they banned top. Yeah, I I totally agree. I've said that a bunch of times. Like, I, abrupt decay is not necessarily a net positive. It's actually not really good because it it it's so flexible, and because efficiency is king in a format with wasteland, like you, of course, you're gonna have a lot of permanents with converted mana cost three or less. Any permanent, I mean, that's crazy, and it just drives the stock up of the things that can't be hit by it. Gurmag Angler, Trune Nemesis are the chief ones. And it's just, you know, it's it's too bad that they didn't just they didn't just ban counterbalance or something. I don't know. Like abrupt decay, they mentioned it targeting counterbalance. It hits it it anyone that wants to untap with a permanent, that's always floating around out there for you, right? And it and it's so horizontal that it just it can stop anything. Like, are you being choked? Abrupt decay it. They have a. They're gonna untap with a goblin welder. Abrupt decay it. They get a Liliana. Abrupt decay it. <laughs> like that's crazy. Yeah, I and mean, I mean, it it offers. I mean, it it creates it creates a sort of weirdness in the format where people try and build decks with higher mana curves, right? But then you know, it, it's it's the same catch twenty two I ha I had with Rug Delver for a long time. It's like, do I play this answer? Or do I play that answer? But what if I go up against this kind of deck? Or what if I go up against that kind of deck? And you know what the what those branches are as far as what I can put into my deck, and when you're playing in a field where abrupt decay becomes more popular, 
Um, and it's not particularly popular right now. I think it's it, it's it's well represented in this in this top eight. Uh, but I, I don't often fear abrupt decay as I used to. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm I'm still I'm still thinking for a few months we're probably going to not have to worry about uh, the the sins of the sins of abrupt decay just yet. I think I think what we'll, we'll see a lot of is people trying to figure out what the heck to do after this banning. Which, you know, yeah, I that's think the that's same a, thing that happened after the top ban. I'm playing banned, that's for sure. An answer that there are things that you can do to, like, play around it. Similar to how uh, Zach was playing a, uh, a deck long, oh, not too long ago where he was like, I just want to play all threats that don't get hit by fa Fatal Push. Mm -hmm. Then there, all of a sudden there's, like, uh, incentives into deck building to play around certain types of removal. And I think that's healthy. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I think, like... Even though Abrupt Decay is obviously very good, I don't think it's a it's a problem. I think the design of Abrupt Decay was for an issue that they then banned, and now everybody has to pay for the sins of them trying to give you a tool to beat the the thing that they were going to ban, and then didn't even make the right ban. Right. Well, I just want to make a quick point of reason because we're talking about this card, which I think is this is all about the ecosystem, right? The, the reason Abrupt Decay doesn't get played is that when everything in the best deck is either less mana, doesn't get hit, or gives you immediate value, that's that Death Rate Shaman and Delver are cheaper, Gurmag Angler and and Nemesis are impervious, Young Pyromancer is almost always immediate value. If you look at the four-color decks, same deal, where Baleful Strix, immediate value, Snapcaster, immediate value, Leovold will get you value off an Abrupt Decay, and Death Rite trades down, or trades up. That's the thing that changes it, but, you know... That's when you, the ecosystem of the format is be, is warped right now because of all that stuff, right? That's what I'm saying. Like you can't you can't just bring stuff back because the, the, you're like the answers are going to flood back in that that are already that already existed to fight that that we'd already adapt adapted to. I mean, um, off off of that note though, like abrupt decay's amount of play also went down when push got printed. Because people recognized that the majority of the time they were abrupt decaying a creature and recognized that he could do it more efficiently with push. Correct. Right, exactly. Right. Um, let's uh, let's talk about Gataxian Probe. Let's let's shift off t of uh, DRS for just a second. Um, and let me know if we have if we're if we're doing okay. On maybe time. maybe for the last time, guys. Might be the last I mean, time we shift off of Deathrite Shaman. Everybody right. knows where, where like after like the past couple of episodes where I stand on probe. I think out of all the cards that are up for consideration for a ban, probe is it, to me is just the most inherently busted. But after this past weekend, on camera at least into the later rounds, the only thing that ever mattered in any of the matchups, at least in the finals, which is always the loudest, right? Like yeah. if you recall, like the last PT where Lantern won. Right after Lantern won, everybody was like, oh, oh, oh my God, guys, we got to ban uh, Ensnaring Bridge. Ensnaring Bridge. Go. Yeah, like, I think, I nine, think that, nine, that... Nine people brought Ensnaring Bridge to the tournament, but yeah. it won. It's got to go. It's too powerful. Like, Yeah, there's if, always if, an if, argument if, for that one way or the other. It's like it, too few people brought it, and it was that good that it got all the way through, or too many people brought it, and it, and it represented by numbers. I think that's an unhealthy way for Wizards to respond, but uh, continue with what you're saying. I was going to say that, like, a lot of the bans that have happened, at least for Legacy, specifically for Legacy, yeah, a lot of the bans that have happened have happened for one of two reasons. Either it was oppressive, read Treasure Cruiser, dig through time, yeah, or the community was so loud 
that they wanted a card banned, that Wizards was just like, fine, we'll ban it. A la Survival. Right? Survival, Survival was like that. Top, Misstep like, was like that in top. top. Top got banned. Top lasted. I don't know if anybody remembers. Top lasted like seven years. The, the miracles didn't change for like seven years without a ban. Like it was just there. And then all of a sudden they put a, a, a parking sign and got pizza delivered to that at their uh, headquarters that they're like, I guess we got to ban it because it's 13% of the field, which is less than Delver, by the way. Like, the, yeah. like the, well, the numbers don't, like that doesn't really like in Delver's defense. I'm, 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 go, I'm going I'm going <laughs> off on a tangent, but but essentially, <laughs> like the the community's volume on a certain card, like matters when it comes to the bannings just historically. Yeah. And right now. Everybody is super, super loud on Deathrite Shaman, like all, all, all for, in in due fairness, like it, it's not like that's un, un, uncalled for, but like they're super, super loud for Deathrite Shaman. And then the other card that the only thing that mattered in all of the matchups on camera was two name nemesis. So right now you have mm -hmm. Deathrite Shaman's homogenizing of the fair decks, mm -hmm. TNN just being a horrible play experience, and those two cards are way louder than Probe, even though Probe is the most busted. We're going to return to Probe in a second, but I promised everyone at the at the Grand Prix that they were going to hear my my I have, my I have, I have one, one, one last thing <laughs> on Probe, and then you you get to go off. Yeah. Uh, the thing on Probe is I don't think Probe is going to get banned this weekend, like uh, or this ban list, like I had said in the previous uh, band cast that we did, only because Probe does not have as much heat on it because of Deathrite and True Name Nemesis after this GP. So I think Probe should get banned, but I think it's going to make it through because right now the volume on it is turned down. Okay. Guys, I described to you my game, my game one against the bug deck where he, where I beat a him, I beat a Leovold, I had a flip search for Ascanta, I had a card, on, I had a creature on the board, my opponent had literally nothing other than lands and just the top of his deck. You know, the, the thing that hurts about it isn't so much that I lost, I mean, yeah, like losing sucks, but it's like, I, I went back and forth. Do I include Zealous Persecution in my main deck? Do I put an Edict in? Do I play Engineered Explosives and hope to get like suspend five mana to kill a true name, by the way? All these things were things I thought of only because of this card and only because that game one where you do every I did everything right, as good as I could possibly have played, given the circumstances, on the draw against a death right deck, lose the getting hemmed having to face down a Leovold with a Jace in my hand, you know? Like, I, I did everything I could to get to a point where I was going to be drawing two cards a turn and attacking for two into literally nothing. And then this card just comes down, and it's like, what was I supposed to do? Was I supposed to play a different deck? Was I supposed to play different cards in my deck? No. I was supposed to play True Name Nemesis. That's what sucks. It's like you're just racing to be the first person to get this thing down in any of these decks. And no, I know every other deck doesn't play it. I want to let's say there's a hundred percent, like a hundred percentage points you can devote to a three drop, okay? In a fair deck. What do you think the percentage points that you should be playing true name is? I'm gonna I'm just gonna show you I said 75% you should be playing true name. 20% you should be playing Leovold. That leaves 5% for everything else. That includes Vendillion Click, Knight of the Reliquary, Monastery Mentor, Ramanab Excavator, all of these interesting cards that could add a lot to the format, but you're waiting to untap with your 3-drop in a format with Abrupt Decay. 
and a lot of efficient removal. And you're you're taking a risk. True name, not only is it no risk that it's going to be removed, or very, very low risk that it's going to be removed, there is no deck building cost to it. You don't have to, like in the case of Leovold, even Leovold, play three colors. With Mentor, you're playing Probe in a deck that wants to get, you know, like that wants to get the three mana. Night of the Reliquary, you've got to have a lands package. Same thing with Ramanop Excavator. Vendillion Click, this thing can be killed by a stiff breeze and is legendary. There's just no deck building cost to it with Blue Fair is going to be the best thing to do. And it's so miserable and it's not fun to win with. It, it, it just, you know how much it sucks to lose to it. So when you win with it, you're just like, please don't, you know, we had to, when you played the side event, in order to get your prize tickets, I don't know if you guys have done this, but you have to walk with your opponent over to the prize ticket <laughs> yes. table. Yes. <laughs> so that you both can get your prize tickets. Of course. And I'm just like, you know, I, I have to walk with this. You're walking with people who you have to like draw, like draw out on and stuff like that. And it's just like, please don't make me walk to you with you to the table after I just was the first personal and true name. Luckily it never came up, but like, it's just so it's just so bad for the format. It it takes all of that congeniality that I talked about and just creates bitter people. Like it's so stupid. And you just lose all these fun and interesting cards that you could try. You know? The only reason Leovold gets to the twenty percent, like sucks up that much of the air, is because it's so insane. It's a one sided uh sphere of the labyrinth that always replaced, almost always replaces itself when removed, that blocks a lot of creatures, that is a relevant creature type. Like, it's so much stuff. Like, and that and that isn't even as good as True Name, because I beat the Leovold, you know? I mean, just wait till case. that Tribal Elvi- Advisor deck gets live, and then and then we're right. really going somewhere. But, I'd make the, I would make the <laughs> argument that on either of those things, like, Leovold is insanely powerful, but at no point is it does it break open the format. Like it's a very good powerful creature, which you should be getting for three mana. Like if yeah. you're spending three sorcery speed mana, you should be getting your your money's worth in legacy. I think every I, shard should I, have I, something I agree, like this. I agree on on true name nemesis just being unhealthy and uninteresting the form into in the format, simply because it doesn't create any play pattern other than the same one every time. So it doesn't contribute anything healthy to the format and it doesn't stop anything unhealthy in the format in the way that force and wasteland do so or leopold for that matter it, it <laughs> yeah it, it just it, it is not conducive to enjoyable games and i mean i would slot that into the same category of probe right like the play pattern of probe is i just get to have perfect information you don't and i get to uh therefore have a better game plan than you and as you were saying with TNN, it's just like, I'm going to play this to cut off all points of interaction unless you're paying, playing very specific cards that can deal with it. Therefore, like, I, I agree. I think that True Name Nemesis isn't uh, ban-worthy on power level by comparison to other cards that have been banned for the sake of power level. But I do think it should go just on the sake of it doesn't do anything healthy for the format and actually takes away the experience. That's exactly what it is, and I, I hope – my hope is that they've someone over there realizes that. I don't know who it could possibly be, but just please, someone, someone listening to us, just get rid of this thing. It's so awful. It, it's just such a feel-bad, and it's not it, – it's 
It's so bad, it doesn't even feel good to win. I don't know. As a counterpoint, I think it's fine. I'm just going <laughs> to put that out there. I think it's fine. I think they're bigger fish to fry. But I'll, I'll leave it at that because you've made, you made some so pretty good speak. points. <laughs> so to speak, right? You've, you've made um, some pretty good points. So how are we doing on time, guys? How much more do we want to go? Um, I, I need to be out soon. So let's, uh, l- let's close, close it out. Let's, we have I, any other. I will say important... I, I'm going to, I'm going to put, uh, some theories to the test okay. and I will test a, uh, non fair blue death, death right shaman list deck this week. A so non-fair blue Deathrite Shaman I, list. I, I will play, so you're play Storm I, with Deathrite Shamans? No, no, no. So I'll play a deck that right now there's no reason to not have Deathrite Shaman. I will play with the caveat that I cannot play with Deathrite Shaman and see what uh, I come up with. Okay. And then report back next week on, you know, can we still do the things like what we were arguing about before where I was saying that like Deathrite Shaman enables you to do a whole bunch of things that you won't be able to do because of certain play patterns. So I'll put that all that to the test by not playing with Deathrite Shaman, but still play a fair blue deck. That's not miracles. Um, <laughs> your success so like, rate. Like this, like, I'll play Sultai Control without Deathrite Shamans. All right. I think your success rate will be the same as me trying to slot Savage Knuckleblade into my teamer deck, but uh, you go ahead and try and do that. <laughs> Probably. Oh, I got but Savage I, Knuckleblades. I, 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 I got those. I got those out of the bulk bin. <laughs> right. I think it's only it's only correct that we like actually challenge the things that were. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, we didn't there. talk about we didn't talk about a lot of things that I really wanted to get to in the discussion of the format. We didn't talk about the impact of on graveyard decks. We didn't talk about chalice. We didn't talk about dark depths, which is you know a, you got to respect that. That's everywhere, by the way. It's in every deck. <laughs> you know, I told you about the deck I played with that had three combos in it. One of which was dark depths. There's another one. There's a lot of those in the top eight in very different decks. I mean, that's a thing to consider. Like, not that Deathrite Shaman is directly related to that, but Dark Depths is powerful enough to dominate in this environment, and you know it's very difficult to interact with as well. And you, you just never know. I I want to play the long con here, and since we're talking about uh, it was almost a year ago that Top got banned, I want to talk about real fast. Uh, each of us pick a card. Uh, what do you what card do you think we'll be talking about a year from now? Uh, I'm gonna say it's Grizzlebrand. Grizzlebrand. Yeah, I think we'll oh, be like, talking like, about like a, card, a card a year from now that we think is. That we're just going like, why be... is it still here? Oh, sure. Yeah, Grizzle Brand's a really good one. I don't know if I could think of a better one. Um, I mean, I could go with the Dark Depths thing and say maybe Thespian Stage. Okay. I think that Lands is good enough. Is so good, by the way. Like it just it, it's a it's a cost issue that Lands does not do better. That people just it's just not represented. I just played the I just played the legacy challenge with blue red Delver. I didn't like my opponent took one draw step that I didn't see because it was the one draw step where he didn't dredge loam. And it was dark depths, and he won the game because of it. Like he basically like I knew he had Thespian stage, but I was watching everything he dredged and I knew he didn't have dark depths, but it was the one draw he took that wasn't the dredge. And then I was the game was just over and I was dead. And that interaction is really, really hard to interact with from the other side, the thespian stage depths interaction. All right, so I've got Grizzlebrand, you've got depths. Phil? Chalice of the Void, not close. You're saying Chal- you, would don't, I, I, you, like, you think that if, if you had to choose, it probably would have been one of those other two, but Chalice of the Void's a uh, 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 far third? No, no, I think Chalice of the Void, like 
I would oh. argue that I, I would argue that Grizzlebrand's argument is the exact same thing as Deathrite Shaman for the decks that want it. Like, if you're playing a put the big fatty into play, there's no reason to be playing anything other than Grizzlebrand because it's simply the best one. True. So the same way that you were talking about, like, oh, for TN, TNN, it's like you don't get to play any of these other interesting three drops because why why wouldn't you just be playing TNN? That's the yeah. exact same argument for Grizzlebrand. Like, right. there's all of these sure. other interesting fatties. We don't get to see any of them because of Grizzlebrand. Like, it's the same argument. Uh, when it comes to Dark Depths, like, Dark Depths, if, like, you lose Thespian stage, like, people are, would still uh, play Dark Depths with um, uh, Hex Mage. Like, it's, like, I mean, I, like, Solemnity. lands will still exist even without Dark Depths. It just made, they just got a fast combo. Like, yeah. is it a... But them getting a fast combo is really good. That's the point. Oh, oh I, I don't disagree. I just think that, like, <laughs> the death sh deck shenanigans and the fact that you get to still interact with them, even though it's difficult, right? Um, you're building your deck in such a way where you're playing with a land that doesn't do anything other than be there for when you have another combo piece with it. Uh, I think, and just, you can interact it with it at zero mana for Wasteland, which is one of the most popular played cards, where, where I think Chalice, as this argument that I was making before, where it's a card that does nothing to make games better. It does nothing, like, there is no time where a Chalices feel good ever. Like, yeah. it just says, you don't get to play Magic. Like, this part of the curve, all of the cards that exist at this part of the curve just are no longer valid. I, I until you can answer don't it, disagree with you. And <laughs> I, 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 like, I get that I am a dude who just went on a huge tear about how Ponder is excellent, and Chalice is just like, <laughs> I get that. Like, I, I'm not unaware that I'm on the side of Blue Cantrips. I'm, but, but if I were to step back out of that and just look at it from, like, what does this card do? All it does is it enables a swath of decks that are all just the same deck with a different uh, dress on, yeah. right? So, like, Eldrazi, they just put Soldier Stompy on. Like, all of the Blood Moon decks Steel play, Stompy. like, Goblin Stompy, yeah. Steel Stompy. If, if your deck is Stompy, it's not a Stompy deck. It's a Chalice deck that's playing literally everything else that is could be anything. It's fine. Yeah, like, yeah. You I think you Chalice... didn't win because you're playing the other cards. You won because you blanked five cards in their hand because you went turn one Chalice go. Yeah. I think Chalice is the best one drop in the format in the decks that want to play it. Another, another thing to note about Chalice, while I, I, I think it's important to actually disincentivize playing all cantrips, but it was the same deal sort of like top in Vintage where Chalice existed for a decade before they decided to take action on it in vintage. And um, a lot of, we're, we're talking about cards that have had action taken on them in every other format almost all the time. We were talking with Death Rite with Modern, Probe with Modern and Vintage, Chalice with Vintage, Dark Depths in, in Modern. Though I want to say, I'm not talking about Depths. I think Depths combo is a cool thing to have. I just think Thespian Stage being so good in the very particular land shell and just giving them like, just blow out wins for a deck that used to take so long that you could try and climb back against. Yeah. Like that's, that was my point about, about uh thespian stage, not dark depths that thespian stage is, is the card that breaks it. But we haven't seen that in legacy. They don't, they ban the, the thing. They don't ban the thing that makes the thing good. Like in, in, in standard, when they were doing standard bannings or even in vintage and modern, sometimes it's been like, we're going to tamp this down by pulling this thing out. Um, but they don't do that in Legacy. They go for the jugular, and we talked about it with Top, Bill, before you were on the show, and, and Zach, if you remember this, we were like, oh, maybe they'll ban Terminus, maybe they'll ban Counterbalance, and then they just went right for Top, you know? Like, they don't do subtle. They don't do subtle. So Not in this format. <laughs> I, 
No, they don't do it in this form. They don't do subtle. They're like, what? It's basically like, what was on our pizza? <laughs> right? To bring it back. What's on your tombstone? I, to, I, I don't know how a year from now will, like, is there a way that we can, like, set an alarm for a year from now and see <laughs> who's closest on what card? I know, I know I'm the farthest away because I just didn't want to pick Grizzle Brand and I wasn't going to pick Chalice. So, <laughs> but Fair. one of you two is definitely right. All right. I mean, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll be able to have this conversation again, you know, looking back pretty easily uh, because just because I'm sure that uh, one of these two things is going to be very. Maybe three things. It's going to be very, very uh, prevalent in the format after uh, Death Red Shaman gets banned. Yep. So we'll know. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah. Have a good week. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Congratulations thanks. to Miranda Keith for top baiting with Maverick. Awesome. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.